Welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Um, I'm so sorry for the delay in posting this. I actually am recording this Monday morning in Austin, and there was just a huge winter storm, so we lost power, electricity, Wi-Fi, uh, pretty much everything is down. <laughs> it is not repaired, so I apologize in advance if you just hear like an alarm randomly go off. We had a pipe burst in our building. It's pretty pretty insane um but you know i guess that's that's life so i don't want to spend too much time in the intro just because i don't want the alarm to randomly go off again so i don't want to risk that i just want to quickly talk about nancy our incredible guest for the day she is a conscious breakup coach and she helps people work through either their breakups and find self-love before jumping into a new relationship. And um, she's just so awesome and gave me some tools for <laughs> manifesting, um, you know, the love that I deserve and would love to have in 2021. But also I think she hits the nail on the head when it comes to prioritizing yourself for um, a partner or really anyone else. So that'll be a great episode for Valentine's Day. Anyways, uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to the episode with Nancy. Um, yeah, and if you're in Austin, stay warm and stay safe because this is pretty insane. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with Nancy Ruth Dean, who is a conscious breakup coach. Thanks so much for being here, Nancy. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be doing this episode, uh, particularly because it's right around Valentine's Day, uh, you know, also known as Single Persons Awareness Day, I guess, or all the other terms that's you know, it's been called. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about you and everything you do to help your clients. Um, but before I dive into that, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? So I'm a conscious breakup coach now, but I actually got started in the dating and relationship industry because I, I wanted to be a professional matchmaker like Patty Stanger on Millionaire Matchmaker back when I was a teenager. <laughs> And I held on to that for years. And then when I moved to the West Coast, I was originally from um, Ontario in, in Canada. I moved to the West Coast to Vancouver, BC. I started researching how I could do that. So I became a matchmaker with um, working with a company. But instead of it being actually glamorous like it was on TV, what I realized was most of the people coming to us and our clients were they were struggling to let go of their last relationship and i would see that time and time and time again and finally after three and a half years i realized that this wasn't a place where people come to do inner work necessarily that was kind of the big thing people would just come and say here's my list 
find that for me, but they weren't interested in inner work. So after just really watching, watching and observing this, I started becoming really interested in coaching and I kind of phased myself out. Um, and then that's when I started my own business and, and helping people actually consciously let go of their last relationship so they can find love that, that truly lasts. That's amazing. So did you find that, I guess, what was the, you know, um, success rate, so to speak, of the matchmaking business? Like, did you find that a lot of people either, quote unquote, gave up or um, couldn't find a new significant other? And do you think that was because they were still thinking about their previous relationship? I think it was definitely some of that. And in general, how people view dating and relationships and more importantly, how we are conditioned in, I don't want to say a negative way, but like we're super conditioned to not look inwards and, and like not do the conscious work to Mm -hmm. actually figure out like why do I want who I want? So a lot of the time I would notice that we were either, people were either looking for um, just a repeat of their old pad, uh, of their old partner, or they were looking for somebody opposite of their partner. But I rarely heard them say, you know, I've done the conscious inner work and I realized like, this is what's going on for me. These are my relationship patterns. There was so little awareness about that. And I, when I started to fall in love with coaching and I started to do my own inner work with my relationships and and what was going on for me and why I wasn't able to find that person too. And it was so much deeper than, well, Nancy, you're in your, your mid to late twenties. You've got so much life to live. It was really about saying, okay, wait a minute, there's something below this that I really need to look at. So I was just really bombarded with seeing that we needed a platform to be able to do that. So your career is kind of at like the marriage, no pun intended, of matchmaking and therapy almost. It's like dissecting previous relationships. Definitely. um, It really is about dissecting our previous relationships. I would say um, I I, I won't and don't think I even can use the word therapy when I speak (laughs) about my work, but more spiritual work like deep inner work about the self and so what aspects of matchmaking did you like and then what were you not as much into I guess well I mean that is a that's an entire episode on its own but I would (laughs) say I would say the frustrating part for me, that's always kind of where I go. And this is my experience. This is not, you know, everybody's experience at all. I'll just share my perspective. I, I believe that finding a partner is not about meeting the right one, but becoming the right one and then learning how to do that. And what was frustrating for me was trying to point people or guide people or to have deeper conversations and to get actually quite a bit of backlash from my clients um, from doing this because 
you know, asking for a list of things is kind of like an illusion because you can have a list and you can want somebody with whatever it is that's on your list, like a, a certain pedigree or where they live or maybe what they look like or what their family is like. But that is zero. That's no guarantee that you guys are going to mesh. And so when I would match people and I would look at their criteria and I would match as best as I could, they would say, yes, you did, you know, send, you, you did really consider what I wanted, but we don't have any, we don't have a connection. And so it's like, you know, having connections with people comes with creating a connection with yourself. So when you're really disconnected from yourself, it's, it's kind of easier to just default to what you want based on a list instead of being like, Hey, I wonder why we didn't really have a connection yeah. or what was going on for me here. And what did you learn from that experience that you brought with you to your new practice? Really um, recognizing where, where we kind of get it wrong in society. Um, yeah, that, that was a, a big thing. And I'm not saying that that goes for every single person, but Again, what I said when we're like, oh, you know, just one day you'll just meet the one. I personally consciously did this work to find my now fiance. So I, and I know what my track record, so to speak, was in, in dating. And the only difference was me. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of, that I think goes for everybody. Like you can often meet the right person or you can often meet people who, could vibe with you but if you don't do the conscious work to create a deeper relationship with yourself then you're going to struggle uh, with having an emotional connection with your partner or keeping that relationship together because that's kind of the foundation for what keeps a relationship healthy and blooming so kind of moving on to the current work that you do and first off I mean I've it must be a niche market that you're in, in terms of breakup coaching or correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, do you find, how do you find your clients and like, what does that demographic look like for you? So that's such an interesting question because I actually, while I am a conscious breakup coach, we're always working on getting over our ex while we're dating. We just don't always know it. Yeah. And so uh, what I do is I try to, it's definitely niche 100%. And I do think it's easier to, well, I don't want to use the word easier, but it's more common, more um, mainstream to be a dating coach and mm -hmm. a relationship coach. But that's also one of my driving motivators to be a conscious breakup coach because if you do the conscious breakup work not only are you going to find a healthy partner and let go of your ex but you'll also when you do find that partner you will be able to sustain and keep that relationship because this inner work is something that tra transforms you from the moment you get started definitely and so kind of going back to that you know you said people who are dating are still getting over an ex would you say that most people who come to you are either already broken up and like still ruminating over that previous relationship or do you also have clients that are with a partner and are maybe feel stuck or maybe feel like 
the re- the relationship is you know heading in it only in a downward spiral downward spiral and like looking to get out and looking for your advice in that way I would say it's a combination for sure. Some people also come to me in addition to those two. People also come um, because they're very drawn to how I consciously called in my fiance. And it was it, it was the work that I do now that I was um, drawn to consciously call in a partner. So they also come to me when they're just looking to actually manifest authentic love. Um, but they can all but i've definitely had conversations and this is where inner work gets a little uh this is where i would say it's really tough to look within is when you are right in the experience and this isn't for everybody i'm just this is just my experience when people do reach out and they are they want to get support because they're in a relationship i don't often work with people who are in let's say a toxic relationship or or like abusive relationships it's often um just feeling like dissatisfied and they'll come and they'll they'll want my advice and support and i i try to draw them towards the inner work but one thing i notice is quite a bit of resistance so yes we do have conversations but the the benefits really come from people who are open willing and able to desire to look within because when you're in an experience and your fear of leaving a relationship is stronger than your belief and faith in yourself that you will be okay, it's really, it can be a really difficult mountain um, to climb when you, you think because sometimes what happens to is people will reach out and want our conversation to be so pivotal that I magically can help <laughs> them leave their relationship. Yeah. And I wish, you know, I really wish I'd be getting paid the big bucks to do that. I'm sure <laughs> uh, it's not really part of my mission, but you, the, the, the piece that draws it all, all together is that desire to look within. So, yeah. And also I think just kind of t- touching on the toxic relationship parts, like there's so many levels to that, just that go deeper and into like psychological elements and feeling, um, it's it, I don't think those types of people or I, I would guess would necessarily come to you to begin with or would immediately kind of change their mind. Exactly. That's and that's that's what's so important about being um, a coach or therapist um, is really being able to have certain guidelines or boundaries around what you are confident in working with. Um, I do a lot of spiritual work, but my work is not necessarily um, going deep with trauma or abuse. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm kind of interested. So what does a typical like intake, for lack of a better word, session look like for you and your clients? Like what kind of questions do you ask? How do you determine whether or not they'd be a good fit and that you could work with them? Um, yeah, if you could just kind of walk me through that, that'd be cool. And again, I sound like a broken record, but so sometimes you, you can come on over and we can have a session and, you know, being able to kind of create a space to just talk openly. Sometimes you're just guided to that coach. If it's me for this, in this example, you might just feel guided, but you almost might not even know why. Um, and then you might just talk about what's going on for you and, we'll create a safe container to really talk about what's coming up for you. 
and work through whatever is going on in the next 60 minutes. But I personally, as a coach, look for certain key lines uh, with clients. So, you know, what kind of questions do I ask? It depends on what, what the mindset is of the, of the client that's in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying to tune into what they might need, let's say, relief in or wanting to expand on or just actually uncover what's going on for them. Um, but when people want to do, let's say, the inner work, they might ask questions that are uh, eye-opening in the sense that they'll say, you know, I personally lo- like something like I love spirituality or I, I like learning about myself in a deep way and I'm not sure why I do this or you know, this is a pattern I have, right? They're, they have a certain level of insight about who they are, but then you have sometimes when I'm working with a client and they might start the conversation with, you know, I'm really angry or I'm really struggling emotionally with working through my breakup. And in that case, it's not really about me asking super pivotal questions that are uber deep, but really creating a container to help them feel seen and heard by the end of the session and throughout. So you from what it sounds like, it seems like your philosophy and um, like the values of your practice are really rooted in like self-love and self-awareness. Would you, what do you think of the, I don't know if it's like a saying or a quote um, or a belief system that you, and I always butcher this, but you can't or you won't be able to find the perfect partner for you or like you won't be able to fall in love until you love yourself. I probably just butchered that. But basically the idea is if you don't love yourself, you won't be able to give love to a partner. Yeah. That's something that comes up so much. My belief, and this is something I experienced as well, because my my spiritual teacher and self-love, she's, she is a spiritual teacher and a self-love coach. And she first, she really brought, it seemed ironically, very this or that thinking. Um, she was like, you can't love somebody until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And... But I'm also here be, thinking to myself, but it is a journey, like incorporating self-love in an everyday way and doing small acts of self-love and looking into why you do the things that you do in your relationship patterns like that. Those are all acts of self-love that are important. But to say that you have to and also be in this also this mindset of I need to be perfect and completely healed in order to find love is just go is just the exact same narrative that society is painting us that you know we're not good enough and so you know buy this product and then you'll be happy so I believe that you have that you get to choose to be on the path to self-love which is a never-ending path or never-ending journey and in that time you will find the partner's that are meant to find you that will teach you amazing things about yourself. It's not always about, I don't know why I'm feeling called to talk about this, but sometimes uh, 
sometimes I might get asked like, oh, if I do the conscious work, like, will I definitely like find my soulmate? Will I find the one? But the reality is when we do conscious work, we always, our partners are teachers. And sometimes they are in our lives for as long as they need to be. And then when we find somebody new, but in my personal case, I was really desiring to call in like a soulmate and somebody that I was going to get married to. So it really depends on your intention as well. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. And I agree. It's like, if you're waiting to be perfect and completely healed, you'll just keep aging and aging and getting older and older because it never it's like an endless um like a journey that has no end uh and I agree at first I was very black and white and looking at it but I think now it's like as long as you are working on yourself and either have recognized that you don't have enough self-love or that you're you know are being mean to yourself and looking to change that or um and then more importantly like accept recognizing that and then working like going to therapy or getting a coach, like doing something like that, then I believe that it's quote unquote possible. Do you, or what are your thoughts on the law of attraction? Well, I believe in the law of attraction for sure, because I do think sometimes it can be a little, let's say intimidating or a little bit too far out of reach to believe in the law of attraction, which if anybody is listening yeah. for the first time, maybe, and they're like, what's the law of attraction? It basically just like in the, the simplest form, like you, whatever you are, like you, 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 um, you attract. Yeah. So if you're feeling low self-love, you might attract a partner who really re- – re- just by being with you really reinforces your lack of self-love for yourself. Um, or that, uh, on the other hand, if you are working on your self-love and you raise your vibration, like you feel more joy and calmness and, and peacefulness, then you're going to call in a partner who not only supports that but also nurtures it and also has self-love for themselves. Um, but I do believe, I don't usually say, to be honest with you, I'm not like, we're going to do this using the law of attraction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say that there are certain principles that I believe to be true, which is energy. So when you con- uh, consciously focus on what your energy is, and we can't have I don't believe this. Maybe some people might disagree, but I don't believe you have full control over your energy all the time. Like, hello, we are humans. Yeah. But if you can become aware that your energy does have something to do with what is being attracted into your life. Like I remember being so angry one day and I was just fuming and I didn't know how to like deal (laughs) with myself that day. And then I got a scathing email from somebody um, one of my peers or whatever about something. And I just remember feeling consciously, wow, I'm so angry. And then I got a ding on my email and it was like, it was the exact reflection of anger that I was feeling. And I was like, I believe I called this in, but I will mm-hmm. also say that when my clients often talk to me about like, Nancy, we have to constantly work on my vibration because I'm so scared that if I drop my vibration or I don't feel constant love and light, then I'm going to call in something bad. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way (laughs) either. Like 
you're, you can't spiritually bypass what's going on for you. You have to also let your, most importantly, when you let yourself feel how you feel, you let the emotion pass and you let it go. But we are constantly judging ourselves and measuring and qualifying who we are and, and others as well. And I think we get stuck in this trap sometimes when we're using the law of attraction and then using it against ourselves. Yeah. It kind of defeats the purpose. And I, I think to, so to anyone listening, who's like, I don't know, I, I, there's a lot of, I don't want to say controversy around like the secret, but it's kind of woo woo and whatever. I always think of this whenever I, cause this, this is when I started leaving law of attraction. It was like around, I guess it was like September of 2019. I got into a relationship and all of a sudden I was just like subconsciously, I mean, I was happy, happier. Not that like I needed a relationship to be happy, but I was just giving off like more fun vibes. I was, um, I don't know. I just had like a new, like a swing in my step, so to speak. And I noticed that when that happened for the, like, I had been single for something like four years prior to that. So I noticed for the first time all these like quote unquote suitors were coming to me and I'm like, now, like (laughs) you couldn't have come four years ago, but it, it, it really made me think like, wow, it's funny how when it's, it's kind of like when you think about, oh, when like when, when it rains, it pours like the flip side of like when you have one bad day and then just like, as you said, like another email and then, this happens and that happens and it's like why is everything bad happening to me I think on the flip side when you're like radiating positivity people are just drawn to you um you see the better like side of things the glass is half full all of that stuff oh my gosh yeah and for whatever reason I'm feeling really called to share because uh because um this is something I get asked to uh if I'm doing like a manifest your dream partner session Um, They'll say something like, but Nancy, which is it? Do you consciously call in a partner or do they just show up when you least expect it? Yeah, that's such a good point. And sometimes, and I know this was the case for me. I used to be like, I used to say to myself, but I'm consciously, always consciously thinking about when this person is going to arrive. So the law of attraction will say or ask, why are you always thinking about when your partner is going to arrive? And when I look within myself, and this is going to be different for everybody, and some people might really resonate with this, but when I look at this like search and this constant focus on where is my partner, when are they arriving, it's rooted in scarcity and lack and fear that they're actually not going to show up. That's why I'm so hypervigilant of when mm-hmm. they will. So when I started my self-love journey, which was really just letting myself be a part of the process and um, just really being on the journey, I, I let go of constantly searching. I let go of like dating apps. I let go of the fact that I was supposed to control it. And instead I just focused on myself and I like was um, taking university classes in psych And I was just like so head over heels. And that for me was a big act of self-love because I just absolutely love psychology. 
Me too. <laughs> but it was in those moments where I'm like so deeply focused on something else that is a true act of self-love that, and I went to like um, my friend's birthday party and that's where I ended up meeting my now fiance. So when they say it's when you least expect it, it, it asks you to let go of looking and let go of being so consciously aware that that, that vigilance is rooted in fear. Yeah. I think the caveat of, or like, you know, there's like a little asterisk under when it, you least expect it because it's not like, it's not like you're going to find your dream partner when you're at like a funeral or something. Like when it's something really sad and you're not in, in a good head space, like it's not there. It, you have to, it's when you least expect it because you're so focused on things that bring you joy and that aren't specific to finding a man, finding a woman, whatever. I think that's the, um, the part that they left off. (laughs) Exactly. And there's also, and I'm just thinking back, just being so aware of that night that I met my fiance, I was like feeling really gross. I was feeling super bloated as well. And it was one of those days where like, I couldn't find the right outfit to go. And I used to be somebody who really cared about my looks, tried to always look prime and prepped for like meeting the one. I, I, I laugh really hard when I think about it because I was, I, I was so, so conditioned, um, <laughs> like the rest of us and, and not, not un, unknowingly. Um, but that was a day where I just really felt kind of like uh, I, I, I was not feeling myself, so to speak. And when I wasn't feeling myself, I let go of this idea that I have to like talk to people and schmooze and, and that my looks are going to bring me confidence. Um, and then I just really felt that intuitive nudge. Like this is where things get like really cool and deep when you decide that maybe the law of attraction is something you want to try on, you will be able to connect to universal energy. And on that day, when I was not feeling myself and actively aware, I wasn't going to like schmooze. I felt an intuitive like nudge, like pulling me to go talk to this group of guys. And I remember consciously being like, but I'm not feeling called to talk to anybody. I actually feel gross. Like, I like, I feel kind of gross. And then, so I ignored it, walked around for a couple minutes and that nudge, like, I, I swear to you, if there was ever a time I ever felt something so strong, that was not me at all or my brain. It was in that moment that was like, you have to go talk. And I was like, it's not like I saw somebody that was cute in the group and I had to go. It was just that intuitive nudge that, that drove me to go with uncertainty because I did not know what would happen. I did face the risk of rejection and I did face the fact that I could have just said hello. They could have been seriously disinterested and just turned away and like not talk to me. And then I'd have to walk, I'd walk, I'd have to walk away um, feeling embarrassed. But I was like, screw it. I'm going to trust that what I'm feeling is legit. And fortunately, the person I ended up standing beside was is my now fiance and also the only person that was single in this like group of nine people. So there, there was a lot at play that I would 
you know, a couple of years, uh, several years before then, never fully believe in or experience. It's one of those things where you have to let yourself believe that that's possible before you see the evidence for it. Yeah, it's like Christmas. <laughs> the, um, exactly. The Santa Claus is what I'm thinking of. Um, so how do you find that balance with your clients of manifesting something without overanalyzing, thinking about it nonstop, worrying that's not working? Like, I feel like there, it's like a... Um, it's like a fine line between, you know, that you have to stay on. Well, so our brains are going to be hilarious because again, this is about getting conscious. So we start creating and observing our thoughts about what's going, because, you know, when I think about myself before I started this work, I did not even feel, I did not think about my thoughts. I didn't know that my thoughts were different than me. And when I started doing this work, I became, because I obviously, and if you're listening to this episode, like there is a reason why you're listening to this episode, or there Mm -hmm. is a reason this is the first time you're tuning into this episode, because things just find you at the perfect time. That's so like beyond your conscious awareness. Um, So when I started doing this work, I wanted to take it all in. So sometimes you'll, you know, I want to like just read everything and learn everything and consciously like obsess over it. And then that fine line is letting, let it take you there. If you become super obsessed with this and you want to dive fully in, there will be a point where you just, you learn so much, you relax, the universe sends you these amazing signs or sends you these little nuggets and breadcrumbs, if you will, and that help you learn more and more about what's going on. And through that process, you let go of the wheel a little bit. You don't let go of the wheel on day one. That's not a thing. Your brain is learning a new way to see the world. Mm-hmm. So the dance is not something that happens on day one or that fine balance is not something that you can learn on day one because this is truly an experience. You just have to trust that you will one day be able to proverbially let go of the wheel. And, uh, and not always consciously focus on it and, and let it do its thing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I would definitely take that advice. I feel like I'd have to meditate a lot. <laughs> I guess, so obviously quarantine has been, I, I mean, I feel like there's two different ways it's driven relationships, either directly into marriage or breakups and I mean I definitely was on the latter side I got corn dumped so I I feel like like there's it's okay I feel like there but I feel like there's a lot of people out there or I'm I don't know I'm the type of person who like if I were pushed into that situation of like quarantining with my partner at the time I would have probably felt stuck and I probably would have developed even like more resentment and then ultimately, you know, this is still going on. So felt kind of trapped. And I imagine there's others out there who feel similarly. So I, I have a couple of questions. First, have you seen an increase in demand since quarantine started? 
Um, I mean, that's an interesting question. I would say I have an increase. Um, I'm not going to say an increase in demand, uh, probably still a steady stream. Um, but what I have seen is an increase in, how do I want to say this? Uh, it's harder to wrap, and, and you can tell me if this is true for you, um, but what I have observed is there's this idea that, you know, if quarantine didn't happen, if 2020 didn't happen, if a pandemic didn't exist, like you'd still be together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because 2020 was such a unique and hopefully a year of its unique kind that will never return again. Um, I think some of us can just hold on to the fact that we're like, oh, this was just such a unique experience. Like maybe it doesn't dictate the fate of the relationship. But what I will say is 2020 was like the biggest year for every single kind of relationship. And not just that, but dating and also for breakups. It either strengthened your relationship, strengthened your uh, sense of self or relationship to yourself, or it could have broken you, um, or it could have uh, broken your relationship apart. But things are not so coincidental all the time. And I feel like there were, I've had these conversations where 2020 was the last straw. And Mm -hmm. That looks like if you, if you let it, if you let 2020, um, it's almost like you want to just be like, I just wish 2020 never happened. But, but the reality is it did happen. It did put a strain on your relationship or it did challenge your relationship to a point of making you stronger or, or, or it was the downfall of the relationship. But it's important to see that. In life, we can't, not just the 2020, but we can't constantly make external excuses for why our relationship didn't work out. But I'm really curious, what's your perspective? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like, the more I think about it, because I do think, I do agree with you and that people say, oh, yeah, if 2020 never happened, like this, like everything would have been great, blah, blah, blah. And at first I was kind of, I don't want to say, I I was a little, I didn't know how I felt about all these engagements. Like all of a sudden, you know, my Instagram's being flooded with engagements. Yep. And at first I was like, really? Like this is kind of too soon. What's happening? I think it's just because of quarantine. And then I kind of flipped the narrative and I'm like, yeah, it is because of quarantine. But in a good way, because I think prior to this pandemic, many people, I'd say mostly men, but I'd put myself in the same category, like think they could just put things off, put things off, put things off and, and to avoid making some, any sort of commitment now where I feel like 2020 was like when you, you know, when that question of like, oh, if the world was going to end tomorrow, what would you do today? Like that was like the closest thing in our lives. That, or the COVID was the closest thing to like that for us. So it was like, okay, you know, this gives me a way out of my relationship. This has made me realize like, what am I waiting for to propose? This is blah, blah, blah. So 
I do think that is one of the silver linings along with being having all this time to be alone aid and to be able to validate the fact that you know this I'm saving older people by staying in my house or like I don't know I didn't find it as lonely as I've found parts of my life when everything was completely fine because you know Governor Cuomo told us we weren't allowed to leave our apartments and you know it gave us me time to focus on myself granted I would love for this to now (laughs) be in the past it's been almost a year but yeah that's I think my I guess perspective both in terms of relationships and introspection. Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful takeaway and something that I think we should all be looking at. Like I I completely recognize that we are all in our own unique situations. So I can't necessarily speak for everybody. Mm-hmm. I can speak for myself. And sometimes it's difficult when I talk about how um you know whatever comes our way is is I is a hurdle that'll break us or make us stronger and uh, move us closer to our like deeper purpose or uh, or bring us closer to our path, right? Because we're always going to be thrown obstacles. And I know for me, I actually had a, a quarantine engagement myself. Like literally five minutes after quarantine started, I was engaged. Um, but I know that I. I wanted to, it's funny, I wanted to believe, because I'm also in a cross-border relationship, because I'm Canadian, my fiance is American, then they closed the borders, then I was afraid, like, there was so much going on in the beginning, and I just reminded myself, instead of being like, I'm freaking out, what are we going to do, like, (laughs) I just was like, I'm just going to trust that, like, I don't, I'm, I'm just thinking for myself specifically, like, something's going to come of this for me. I don't know what that is, but I'm choosing not to freak out yet. And the most ironic thing of all time, and this is why we have to do our best work to stay grounded in times like this, because 2020 is a year of obviously um, lots of loss, lots of grief, um, lots of fear, but it's also an invitation to do the work to get mm-hmm. grounded. Exactly. And I've spent the most time I've ever spent with somebody, with, with my fiance, I should say. We've spent the most time we've ever spent in the last three years in 2020. <laughs> and our relationship got stronger. Like before 2020, I was a workaholic. I really, even though I w- am very spiritual and I care about mindfulness um, and it's part of my daily practice, 2020 pushed me to become so present and so okay with my emotions on a deeper level level than I ever have. So when, when we talk about like, I just wish 2020 never had, it's like, well, what did it bring you? Like, what were the lessons? What are you going to take with you for the rest of your life? But, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to work on our mindset to be able to invite those questions and those we'll say, filters for our future experiences so that we don't immediately jump to fear and um, feel constantly 
stressed out or, or make excuses when something external happens for something we need to focus on internally. Completely. Hey guys, me really quick. I just wanted to talk about a couple of my amazing sponsors. The first being Sakara. Sakara is a company that delivers fresh, organic, perfectly portioned meals um, right to your home or your, you know, virtual office or wherever you are so that you can get back to feeling really good again, both mentally, physically, etc. I feel like at the beginning of every year, you know, you're thinking about like, how do I become my best self for 2021 or whatever. And a lot of that usually is around like eating well, um, whether it be for your like physical, you know, health or your mental well-being. And something I love about Sakara is like their philosophy is very like based on, it's very much based on like eating well so that you can feel what well in your brain, feel well in your body. Um, and they have a bunch of different programs, whether it's like their signature program or their 10 day reset. Um, and then they have a clean boutique where I get my probiotics and metabolism super powder. So I just highly recommend them. They really are about like feeding your like mind, body, and soul, which is super cool. So if you want 20% off your order, you can go to sakara.com and then they use the code XOZOE at checkout. So again, that's sakara.com code is XOZOE and you'll get 20% off your order. So I always wrap up by asking a few questions unrelated to the previous conversation, but sometimes, you know, things slip in. So the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Oh, that's a good question. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> they get deep. <laughs> I would say moving to the West Coast. I hadn't even looked at photos of what Vancouver, BC looked like. I just felt called to move to Vancouver, BC. And that was what gave me, that was the start of my self-love and inner work journey. So I really don't know where I would be without that pivotal moment. Yeah. I kind of felt called to move to Austin too. That's, I moved like two months ago and it was a very spontaneous decision. And I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm doing it. And it's been, it's been great. (laughs) Answer those calls. For real. (laughs) Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Yes. Why? Because I'm I'm not going to go into the detriments of when others don't want to believe it, but I can say in my life, I believe everything happens for a reason. I I can I didn't want to believe that for a long time, but I can feel it and the more that I let myself feel that everything happens for a reason, the more I develop a sense of peace when I'm in moments of despair or fear. There is a sense of peace that I can access when I know that there's a rhyme and a reason and I don't have to always know that in the moment, but I can trust that at all times. Yeah, I love that. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? So funny. I make so many affirmations and <laughs> now that I'm being asked, um, I, I, what comes to mind for me right now is it's okay to feel. I have so many things like that on my phone. Like what you don't share, you store, um, something along those lines, but I'm a, yeah, I completely, um, agree with that and stand by that. Yeah. So big. 
What do you love most about yourself? Hmm. I love... Honestly, I love my curiosity. Like, I can get myself into, like, the weirdest conversations because of my curiosity. People, like, will yell at me some days. (laughs) But I know that my curiosity, without any intention, it invites others to be curious and to think differently. And the people who are curious in my life, who invited me to be curious, same thing happened. And so I love my curiosity. It really keeps me in a childlike state. Wait, when is your birthday? March 27th. Darn it. Every other person I've interviewed who said curiosity has been a Virgo and I'm a Virgo. Oh, gotcha. Interesting. But wait, does that make you an Aries? Aries. Oh, you are an Aries. Okay. Yeah. I can see that too, though. (laughs) I'm, I'm big into astrology. And lastly the name of the podcast, how do you find solace in the city? Well, I actually, so I totally live in the city, but I would say like finding that peace and sense of self for me. um, It's almost kind of, I, I kind of return to like the fact that outside of my window, it's so incredibly loud And it can give you a good reason to be like, don't meditate, you know, don't try to be Zen, but it feels like an invitation to go deeper and go more inward. So making that time for myself and to say, you know, external things are happening all the time. It's just a deeper invitation to, to go inward with myself. So. Yeah, a hundred percent. That was like one of the first thing, one of my favorite yoga instructors said, because our yoga class was like in a um oh what what are those things called like the classes where they just scream at you I'm forgetting what that they were in the same room and like her introduction was like that noise out there is the noise outside of your brain it's you know it's clouding it I was like wow that metaphor is so amazing and I later had her on the podcast she's like I just made that up on the spot but it worked well (laughs) it's true though it's like it truly is. It truly is. And I remember like one of the first times I was ever invited to a meditation circle from my spiritual teacher. I was like, what, what is this? And why do you host these at your house? And like a door closed outside of her apartment and the dog just kept on barking. I was, I just wanted to be like, shut your dog up. But now I'm just like, tune it out more breathe more deeply like listen to yourself more than than what's going on outside like so that's so so on brand well nancy thank you so much for coming on the podcast where can all my listeners follow you learn more about your practice learn more about you yeah if if you're feeling called to to learn more you can go to hellobreakup.com i have a crap ton of free resources, a mini course, my blog. I have a podcast as well. Um, And if you feel called to work together, there's also an option on there as well. So hellobreakup.com is where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And bye everyone. 